Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. fun hello everybody <laughs> welcome to media storm's first ever live show from the london podcast festival <laughs> for those of you who don't know media storm is a podcast that points out myths and misrepresentations in the mainstream media and puts people with lived experience back at the center of the story i'm matilda mallinson and i'm helena wadia and, and this, this is, is media storm <laughs> Okay, so today we are going to be talking about holes in our democracy, inequality, getting into and inside Westminster. And joining us are two very special guests. If you could all give a very big round of applause and please welcome to the stage Labour MP Bel Ribeiro Addy and political reporter Nadine Batchelahan. So anyone listening to the podcast retrospectively is going to need to be able to distinguish your voices. So, Belle, will you just introduce yourself and tell us a little something? Uh, hi, my name is Belle Ruby a Member of Parliament for Streatham since uh, December 2019 now. 
my name is Nadine Batchelor-Hunt. Um, I'm the political correspondent at Yahoo News, um, and I also work in Parliament. We're going to crack right on. It might be good news to you to hear that the Parliament we currently have is the most diverse Parliament this country has ever seen, at least in terms of gender and race. So the 2019 general election gave us a House of Commons that is 10% ethnic minorities and 30% women. Of course, it was going to actually represent society. It would be more like 15% ethnic minorities and 50% women. And then the data for the governing party gets a little worse. So Labour has one in five MPs who are from minority ethnic backgrounds. The Conservatives have one in 15. And while the majority of Lib Dem and Labour MPs are now women, for the Conservatives, it's fewer than 25%. So that's the data. But what is it like in real life? Uh, so, <laughs> Belle, you said you've been in Parliament since 2019. What was it like walking you know, into the halls of Westminster in general, but also as a person who is a part of that minority? Well, I think it might have been a little bit different for me from some of my colleagues, because I worked there for a number of years before for, for Diane Abbott. Um, the, the, the difference was that I got to go down these corridors, which only MPs are allowed to go. I always wondered what was down there. That was really interesting. It's nothing special. Yeah, I was going to the say, there's really, there's really <laughs> nothing in them that's interesting. I suppose it's slightly different. You know, as a staffer, that um, people are treated generally depending on the type of staff you have so what color is your pass uh, brown brown so uh genos have brown house staff have gray member staff have green and mps have stripy white and green Ooh. so you can see them coming from a mile away <laughs> and you're meant to treat well house staff generally treat them much nicer what i found out is it doesn't always happen with me <laughs> because oh, really? they see me before they see my pass and what past would they assume that you had by seeing um, One of the others, yeah. yeah. Have you seen a change at all in discrimination in Westminster, whether that be a positive change or a negative change? Well, I think um, as the diversity of staff grew, there was a black staff network uh, started up and they, like me, it used to happen to me quite a bit, um, started to complain about the amount of times their pass was checked. Uh, so they've, they've changed things slightly to try and stop people doing that. Doesn't mean they don't still do it more than they do to other people, but it's a lot less uh, than when I started working there. The question isn't just about gender and race. And actually something I found in my research that was really interesting is that if you look at this by the measure of class, things are kind of getting worse. The proportion of Labour MPs to have come from working-class jobs has halved since the 80s. For the Conservatives, it's 1%. And, and so we may not actually have the most diverse parliament we've ever had. Nadine, as a political reporter, can you shed any light on, on where this inequality is coming from? What are the barriers for people coming from diverse backgrounds getting into politics? Uh, yeah, so I actually grew up on a council estate in Birmingham and then, then ended up going to Cambridge, then ended up uh, being in Parliament. Um, and you kind of see that essentially it's where people start out in life, particularly with schooling. So private schools, for example, are pretty much a gateway into these elite professions. You have this kind of private school culture where people know each other's schools, people know the lingo, there's that social capital. That means if you go into a job interview or you go into a student politics room or whatever, you are confident. Um, a lot of the people I went to university with said I knew I was going to get in I knew I was going to get into Cambridge it wasn't even a thought so that kind of confidence that's instilled in you all the way through means that when you get into politics you have the Jacob Rees-Mogg's of the world who are very at home even when it comes to visuals you know Eton looks very much like Oxbridge Oxbridge looks very much like Parliament 
So it's just these people are just used to being in these environments, and because of that, they're more confident to put their to put their um, names into the hat, and they look like the people in the establishment, so they're more likely to get promoted. That's why we need more diversity, so people, everyone gets into the room, not just people from a certain demographic. And I feel like when we're having this conversation about these systemic barriers that result in a parliament that doesn't reflect our population, it's hard to ignore that the current government has insisted that systemic racism isn't a problem. And last year we had the Sewell report, you probably saw the race report, that basically asserted that Great Britain is no longer a country that has structural racism. I think um, Ben and I went on Newsnight, actually. Oh, this is <laughs> going to be some deja vu. with Calvin Robinson about this. So. It, was, it was just us two and him, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, was that, what was that line of questioning like on Newsnight? Yeah. <laughs> It was it was a bit it was a bit surreal because we've been arguing about this and this is what always seems to happen now. Now that we have more diversity, and, and we both understand not every single black person thinks exactly alike, but when the majority of people that look like us believe that something is wrong, the idea that you find somebody that looks like us to try and discredit what everybody else is saying is is it it, it was just really awful. And that's what kept on happening every single time we debated this. Yeah, don't you think that we spend so long discussing whether or not things are racist rather than how to solve racism. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's a key issue. And, you know, I um, was asked to go on, I think it was Good Morning Britain a while back with a certain, um, with another commentator at the time. And I said to them, I'm not going to go on and talk about race to this person because it's just going to be an argument for clicks. And this person... Is it who just, I think it is? I'm, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but... <clears throat> and I said to them, listen, I'm not... <laughs> I said, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Like, and they kept offering to. me more and more money. And I said, no. I said, you know, this, this person doesn't represent like, the views of anybody in the mainstream black community. I understand that you need balance, but this is not balance. This is what they call false balance. And it's something we come across in every topic that we cover on Media Storm, where the media has this idea that to be balanced, you need to have one person saying yes and one person saying no, even if that's not representative of how people actually feel. Well, let's talk a little bit more about one barrier that minorities face in public life in general, but I think especially in Parliament, is this kind of online abuse that happens. And it seems like now to be almost inevitable if you take up a role, uh, especially in Parliament and especially as a woman and a woman of colour, particularly as a woman of colour who are 84% more likely than white women to be targeted. I wonder, Belle, do you experience this kind of abuse and has it ever made you question your role as an MP? Um, especially such an outspoken one, of which we're very grateful for. No, absolutely. I had to question my sanity. Um, <laughs> and uh, genuinely, because I, I, as I said, I worked for Diane Abbott for a number of years. I saw all of that. I spent a lot of time trying to stop her seeing all of that. And that has its own effect on you. And I remember when I first um, put up on my own Twitter, because I'd, I'd, I'd not been commentating myself for a while, just in case I got Diane in trouble. When I put up on my own Twitter that I was standing... Um, the first thing that came underneath it was something about me being a uh, fat black X, Y, or Z. And, you know, my heart just sank. Mm. I'm like, this is what you're getting yourself in for instantaneously. The first tweet you've put out to say that you're going to be putting yourself forward to be a member of parliament is the first thing that somebody has to say to you. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it does make you think. In general, just being a woman of colour on the internet is just absolutely exhausting. Like, we have to put up so many barriers, so many blocks on our DMs. As a journalist, you face a lot of it and yeah it is it's absolutely exhausting the comment that you were subjected to is language that doesn't just exist on social media that we do sometimes see in the mainstream media and 
This is Media Storm. We like to look at the role that the mainstream media has in creating these problems and hopefully the solutions. And when it comes to political reporting, there's plenty of discriminatory language. Something that comes to my mind is Shouldergate. I don't know if anyone remembers. It was in 2020, female MP Tracy Brabin wore a um, off-the-shoulder black dress while speaking in the Commons. The Daily Mail, the Daily Mail photoshopped faces of other female leaders onto the photo of Tracy wearing this dress as some sort of like who wore it best <laughs> contest yeah adding to this long line of media that reduces female MPs to fashion choices also and remember Legxit Theresa May and Nicola Sturgeon I think it was who were on the front of the Daily Mail and they said never mind Brexit what about Legxit and then there was the whole Angela Rayner stuff which was just Angela Rayner very recently year. yeah yeah okay so Belle have you ever experienced any mistreatment or unfair reporting? Well, firstly, they have to figure out which one of us I am. So it sounds awful, but there was this one time where um, the Commons, the, the BBC Commons uh, service, which puts our names under when we speak in Parliament, got Dawn Butler and Marsha de Cordova mixed up. And then the Evening Standard went to report on it, say, ha, 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 look at the BBC, they're so stupid. But instead of using a picture of Marsha, used a picture of me. Oh, my God. <laughs> And then they called me <laughs> to try and apologise quickly before I said anything um, and then to blame it all on Getty Images who had, for the six months or so I'd been an MP, labelled all of the photos that anyone had taken of me as Marsha de Cordova. So that was everybody. The BBC, <laughs> um, Evening Standard and Getty Images. I was actually in Parliament as well. There's very few black women political <laughs> journalists. I get mistaken. We all get mistaken yeah. for each other. I'm not and surprised. There are t there are, and it's some of us are mixed race and some of us are black and we look visibly different as you know and yeah. people will come up to I me and say <laughs> yeah so they'll come up to me and say you know a journalist from the FT oh I'm like it's not me and these are MPs at one time actually I'd had a whole coffee with an MP talking about the cost of living crisis and then she says oh thank you and then gives a different name and I was like I'm not that's not me. And then she says, oh, well, you know, my secretary must have got it confused. And I thought, <laughs> I've never seen your secretary in real life. So how would she know what I look like? So, and I'd met this woman with the journalist. She thought I was. So it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? They're in both, as in in both parliament and in both journalism because a connection that we often make uh, when we do our investigations on MediaStorm is that the same groups that are misrepresented by the media are also underrepresented in the media so within newsrooms like I know I have been in London newsrooms that are meant to reflect Londoners and been maybe one of five people of color on their entire editorial team um, and then there was also another uh, Indian woman who I got called her name quite a lot it's just like she was also about 55 so <laughs> there was also a time where somebody thought I was Shobna Galati from Coronation Street but <laughs> That's a separate uh, separate thing. But um, Nadine, how have you found as a political reporter getting into political journalism? Um, so obviously there's the there's the problem with racism in politics, um, rhetoric that, you know, you'll see, um, you'll see MPs who have said racist things in, around Parliament. You know, Conservative Party conference last year, I found it quite difficult. I, I won't go into names, but there was an event which was seen as an anti-woke event that I had to leave because it upset me. And luckily my editor was quite understanding. Um, but, you know, when you're in these environments, even lobby briefings, so th these happen... Um, 
twice daily um, and you go and talk to the Prime Minister spokesperson and ask questions um, and it's always shocking how they just rarely ask about race rarely and in these environments normally you'll ask a question say on energy bills and then another journalist will bounce off that and another journalist will bounce off that and then um, sometimes if you're the black person in the room no one bounces off it so you'll put your hand up and say hey you know um uh, uh, the stuff that happened with Nazgani, this is quite bad. And then no one will bounce off it. Or um, I had a friend and she asked about the Chris Cabber stuff. <laughs> and the spokesperson responded saying, we're not going to comment during a period of national mourning. And I, I wasn't there in person, unfortunately, but I texted my colleague and said, I'm really sorry, because no one backed her up either. No one backed her up on that. So imagine being the only black person, you know, in Downing Street in this hugely like imposing atmosphere, surrounded by journalists who have been doing this for years, and then putting your hand up and saying that, and no one saying, what? Like, you can't say that, that's really bad. You can see that reflected in political reporting. That's why we don't have coverage enough on racism. You know, I, there was a newspaper who had on their front page at one point something about over 50% of black kids living in poverty. Yet their political correspondent didn't mention it once in lobby and it was their splash on their front page. So it's just, there's just a real disconnect. And that's why in the media, we don't have this coverage because the questions aren't being asked at source in the room when people have the opportunity. Okay, so let's talk about solutions, starting in Westminster. Labour has done a really good job of diversifying its gender profile, but what we see less of is upward elevation, and that reflected in the leadership. It's often criticised as a party for being the only active UK party to not have had a female leader, and the Conservatives have given us three female Prime Ministers now, whatever you think of them. And they've given us our first ethnic minority Prime Minister with Disraeli in 1868, I think. They've put in a lot of effort into creating that upward mobility and it was reflected in the leadership contest. So I wonder whether you have any ideas about what Labour can do to improve upward mobility and diversity at its leadership. Well, I, I think in terms of making sure there are more women in the first place, that, that the, uh, the, the, the using um, all women shortlist, I was on an all women shortlist, that made a massive, massive difference. Um, but I'm actually more concerned, uh, representation does make a difference in terms of what we discuss. But at the end of the day, as you said, we have had three female prime ministers and under them, I didn't see a situation where women's lives improved. So as well as being concerned about what Parliament looks like, I'm concerned about what it does and what the people who enter Parliament believe and think. And um, working out to make sure that we have uh, diversity in terms of race, in terms of gender, that, that makes a massive, massive difference. But if we don't start having diversity in terms of views, uh, things are never going to change. It's actually, it's definitely interesting you say that because we have, well, we had a woman of colour, Priti Patel, as a Home Secretary who possibly brought in, you know, one of the hard, most hardline immigration policies Under ever. that immigration policy, her family would not have been allowed to come to this country. That is just... She's one of three that we had since Windrush, Sajid Javid, Priti Patel, Suella Breverman, all from immigrant backgrounds, all pursuing almost increasingly hostile policies towards immigrants. I, this is actually something which, yeah, I don't always know what to make of. With the Conservative government, you have very high-profile people from minority backgrounds proposing very hardline views that kind of prop up the status quo, 
downplay racism and penalize immigrants. Kemi Badenoch is so anti-woke that she used masking tape to divide a unisex toilet into male and female sections during her leadership yeah, contest. Like. <laughs> yeah, Nadine, can you, like, what, what do you make of this phenomenon? It, it honestly, I, I just don't know. I don't really know how to approach it. It's, it's just really nebulous, you know? I don't think it's fair to say anybody's in a specific position because of their ethnicity, apart from, like, obviously, white people. Um, but <laughs> <coughs> when it comes to this kind of stuff... Um, but, you know, it is a complicated thing. And, you know, as we were saying earlier, not all people of colour think the same way. And there are differences. You've got Afro-Caribbean communities that ha have very different cultures and overall political views to um, African communities. And the Indian community is very different to the Bangladeshi community. So there's all these things to take into account. And honestly, I don't... I, don't, I, I just don't think it's a, there's, there's one answer. I, and I, I think it's fine to just say, I don't know what to make of it. Um, because these people, I think you just let them speak for themselves. And I understand why it's a controversial thing within um, communities of color, because you see this and you feel frustrated because it feels very personal. I honestly, I think about this a lot and I haven't decided on what the, the one truth is, if there is one truth, but it's very, very nebulous. Right, because it's not like people should be held to higher accountability yeah. because they're from a minority background. But they are. Well, I've, I've always yeah, said yeah. this as well, like with politicians, and I do think this to some extent with Rishi Sunak was true. If you're an ethnic minority in politics, you have to be perfect. Like you, you, you cannot put a foot wrong um, if you want to be in a position like being prime minister. I personally think within the Conservative Party, the amount of hatred and vitriol he had towards him, I don't know if it's just because of race, but I do know that, um, you know, if you want to progress and be successful as a black person or an Asian person, regardless, you have to toe a very very thin line you couldn't go around acting like boris johnson because you just wouldn't get very far so yeah lest we forget diane abbott drank a mns mojito on the london overground <laughs> and that was possibly one of the biggest media storms we saw but should we list what boris johnson is not no let's not we will never end the show Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And maybe this is the time that we want to 
open to the audience. Does anyone have any thoughts, any questions for our panelists? Hi, um, I'm not from the UK, uh, but just I've I've uh, followed a bit of uh, yeah British politics. But I get the feeling that ethnic minorities who ent who enter the Tory party do so for career reasons. So that maybe they are following uh, very hardline immigration policies because that is what is going to get you to a higher lad ladder in the career. It's interesting because in order, what, what that does point to is that in order to get to the front benches, my understanding of, of how our political system works is that rather than necessarily representing your constituents' views, you have to toe the party line. I understand that this is necessary for a government to function because a party needs to be able to put through legislation. But I wonder if it's something that, Belle, maybe, or Nadine, that you ever think is a problem, that how important it is for political, for your career elevation in politics to toe the party line? Firstly, um, you, you, well, all parties, you have to be extremely capable. As, as, as you know, you've heard before, you can't make a mistake when you're an ethnic minority or it's blown out of complete proportion. So I'm, I'm quite sure they're all extremely capable. But in order to move yourself to the front, you have to you have to be amenable to whoever's in charge and you have to do exactly what they want and you almost have to do it more so than anybody else um, to, you know, to prove that loyalty because you've already got something counting against you, which, which is your race. So I feel that they're perhaps more extreme on certain views to make themselves stand out and show that they're really, really loyal. And, and I think sometimes it goes across the spectrum as well. Yeah. It's not necessarily a, a Conservative Party thing. You know, there is pressure on you know, in ethnic minorities and any party to kind of go towards a more establishment line. You know, the monarchy, Queen dying, I think is a prime example. There'll be a lot of MPs um, in political parties that have an issue with the monarchy, who, you know, whose ancestors were colonized by the British Empire, who feel that they can't speak. And essentially, I mean, take for example, the Labour Party, have been told they can't really post anything on social media unless it's RIP Queen. Now that doesn't feel very democratic so you know regardless of whether you're on the left or the right when you're an ethnic minority the establishment wants you to be more like them and if you came out like guns blazing as a radical you're going to find it very difficult to get into a senior senior in, in a political party yes it's very difficult yeah. <laughs> were there any other questions before we move on to part two so azim rafiq and the dcms if the makeup of that select committee was different would there have been more movement with the inactivity with Yorkshire because they basically haven't been penalised. Just to contextualise, Azim Rafiq is the cricket player who came out about experiencing racism during his time playing. I would say part of it is select committees, as you, you all know more about it, but they, they can recommend things, but there's only so far they will get unless the government takes it on board. But also the media coverage, if there's just not an interest there, then the public interest dies. You can tweet as much as you want about it, post as much on Facebook about it. But as we know, there's an issue in newsrooms with caring about these issues. Same goes with the Nazgani stuff. As soon as Boris Johnson, well, within a week or two, when it became apparent in the media that this wasn't going to bring down Boris Johnson, no one cared. It's just how it is. If nobody in the newsroom cares enough to commission on it, and there's no one in the newsroom to say, why aren't we commissioning on it? It doesn't happen. And that's why it happened. Yeah. It can be really frustrating. Yeah, and that is a really, that's a really big thing. Like, I can't tell you the amount of times I pitched something 
thing. And I got told by an editor who is just because of the makeup of newsrooms, usually a middle-aged, middle-class white man, usually. And they'll say, oh, that's not relevant. That's not relevant. But what they're really saying is that's not relevant to me. But it works even from political parties, let's say, trying to put out press releases about different subjects. I remember once um, pushing past someone to do it on the basis, and this is a press officer from somewhere, who said that Shamima Begum didn't poll well, so we shouldn't say anything about it. Um, obviously, That's I, how it uh, works in the media. That is literally how it works. It's as, it's as basic as that. You know, is this going to land with our, with our audience? What's the worst thing that's going to happen here? Is this the ethical argument? Yeah, but how's it going to read? That's how it is behind the scenes, particularly in PR and press, 100%. But then the people asking and answering those questions come from a very narrow section of society. I think we need to what wrap this section up. to end on. <laughs> if you say it positively enough. Might be okay. And can we have a loud round of applause? Everyone, Give please it up. follow Belle and Dean. Give it up. Thank you so much. Incredible. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.